Need a recap of Sunday's readings? It's time for Homily Highlights on Mater Day Radio. And today's homily highlight from our good friend, Monsignor Gerard O'Connor. He is the rector at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception right here in Portland. When we look at the parables of Jesus, you know, 2,000 years later, we need to put them in context and give them a little bit more explanation or a little bit more commentary uh, than the Jews of the time would have done. They'd have known exactly in great detail what the Lord was talking about at this stage. They would have understand the cultural context of a wedding like this taking place in Palestine in these days. It was a, um, <clears throat> the tradition to have the marriage in two stages. The first would be the contractual side, and then there would be the religious side and the celebration that would come. Sort of like in some countries in Europe now, uh, or say France since the revolution, there's always a civil ceremony, which is the contract, if you like, and it's separate from the religious ceremony. That could take place a month later in the church, but they're separated, and really in many of the countries. Um, <clears throat> so that's the sort of context that we're in, and um, the tradition would be that uh, there could be some, quite some time between the two events, but the man and woman get contractually married, and then the man would go off and buy his house, and put furniture in the house and get it ready for his wife. And that could take six months or so. But when he was ready to bring the wife into his own home, into their home, he would go back to her father's house and have a ceremony of procession from that house to his own house. And that's when the party would begin. And they would have eight days of celebration. So this is what the Lord is talking about. So the bridegroom would send his best men, or his brides, what do you call them, groomsmen, off to the house and say, the bridegroom's coming, get ready for him. And then he would come, he would take the bride and her bridesmaids, these virgins, the wise and unwise, and take them to the house, and that's when they start their celebrations. It's funny, one commentator said, the reason why he came at midnight was that he didn't want to take the whole village with him back to his house, because then he's got to pay for eight days of food and drink for everybody. So this is why they would come at strange hours. So they just go and tell their family and friends that they're coming, and go and do this. So it's rather like, you know, we have a tradition in England, I'm not sure it's an American one, of carrying the bride over the threshold of the house. That was what something the groom would do after the wedding. When he comes back to the house, he would pick up his bride and carry her over into that. So it's like one of these uh, great uh, old traditions. The people would have known exactly what was going on here. The bridesmaids were there to be there with the lambs, to lead the procession, to light the way of the bride to a new home. And that's why we see that we have these unwise virgins, these unwise bridesmaids who didn't have the oil that they needed. They couldn't trim their lambs properly and get ready for this. So there are some very important things to learn from this parable, I think. Um, Jesus first contrast, contrast the five wise bridesmaids versus the, full ones, the foolish ones, wanting us to imitate, of course, the wise virgins. November is the month of the holy souls. It is the month where the church reflects on the last things, the last things being death, judgment, heaven, hell. And so Jesus, by the image, tries to prepare us for the first two of death and judgment so that we may experience the third and avoid the fourth. But if this is to happen, let us learn these three crucial lessons from today's gospel. 
The first lesson is vigilance. We must be vigilant about the bridegroom's coming, the bridegroom being Christ, of course, right? The Lord will come again. He will come at the end of time. We don't know when it will be, nor the day, nor the hour, but we know he will come. And we need to be ready to go and meet him whenever he arrives. Death for the Christian should not be a scary thing. You know, we don't want to die necessarily right now, but we shouldn't be frightened when someone says you're going to come to the end of your life. We all know that, and especially as we get older. But if we've had uh, this loving relationship with the Lord, then there is nothing to fear. It is the natural consequence of this fallen life that we live that we go to Christ and be fully united with him. We see God face to face. And he wants the lamps of our hearts to be full of oil for his coming, to be ready for him. And so that's the first thing. You know, we've got to have this vigilance, always keeping our eye on the bridegroom's coming, always having the eye on death, and not in a morbid sense of the destruction of human life. I'm talking death about the the encounter with Jesus Christ. That's how the Christian looks at death, not fearfully, but joyfully, really, because we'll be united with Christ. The second thing that comes from this gospel and the image of the bridesmaids is there are certain things that we cannot borrow in this life. And to a certain extent, there are certain things that we cannot lend. We cannot borrow someone else's faith. We cannot borrow someone else's relationship with Jesus Christ. That analogy is very good in this for the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. The foolish virgins have got no oil in their lamps, if you like. They've got no faith in their heart, and you can't borrow that from someone else. And in fact, you'd be foolish to start giving away your faith to everybody who wants a bit of it, all right? Because you'd lose yours, and faith is the most precious gift that the God has given you. So you can't, some things you just can't borrow. And faith is one of them. You've got to get that yourself. There's a, a famous Trappist author, uh, Father Simeon of Spencer Abbey, who says this about this gospel. He says, the foolish virgins are foolish not only because they neglected to bring their own supply of oil with them to the momentous encounter with the bridegroom, but also because they possess a naive and perhaps even subtly manipulative and self-indulgent view of the society which they belong. They are spiritual freeloaders. They simply assume that they do not have to work for their own oil, that in a pinch anyone's oil will burn just as nicely in their own lamps, that they should not strain themselves to do too much because there are many others who will do their work for them. In the spiritual life, we can't do that. No one can do it for you. No one can have your unique personal relationship with Jesus Christ on your behalf. There can be no vicarious people looking after your soul and your relationship with God. Yes, they can help you, they can pray for you, they can do, do practical things for you, they can educate you, they can try and uh, you know, do all sorts of things. But ultimately, they cannot live your life of faith in Jesus Christ. That is down to you and you alone because you are unique and he loves you in that unique way. He's got one thing he wants you to do, not for me or anybody else. And the third lesson is that there is a time that can be too late. Certain things cannot be obtained at the last minute. In the parable, the unwise virgins went out and they were caught off their guard. They went to buy oil. Another analogy here is that they were out doing worldly things. They were trading for oil. 
when they should have been sat at home waiting for Jesus to come, right? There is a time when it's just too late. And when the master had closed the door, when the bridegroom had closed the door, and they knocked and said, Lord, Lord, let me in, what does he say? He says probably the most frightening words in all of the gospel. Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. And that's it, the end of the parable as such. He doesn't say, I'll let them wait outside for a minute and just teach them a lesson. No, he doesn't open the door to them. And in fact, he says, I don't know you, don't come back. The parable tells us there's a time when there is no more time. There is a point when it is too late. Let us not be ever in that situation. Let us never procrastinate so much saying we're always gonna get a second chance or it's always, we're gonna convert tomorrow. I'll be a better person tomorrow. I'll stop this tomorrow, I'll be holy tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come for us. We know not the day nor the hour. So three important lessons from today's Holy Gospel. Let us expectantly wait for the Lord's coming and be prepared for it at all times. And a recognition that we can't borrow some things. We can't ask someone to give us faith. That would be such a beautiful thing if we could. But we can't. We must develop that ourselves. Let us not procrastinate either. Let us not put off our preparations for the coming until it's too late. Because there is a time when it will be too late. And that is today's homily highlight from Monsignor Gerard O'Connor, the rector at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. If you would like to listen to that homily again or any of our great locally produced shows, head over to materdayradio.com. You'll find all of those podcasts on our homepage. You'll also have access to all of that information on the Hail Mary media app.